Hey, if you have a Bible, you can open it up to uh, James chapter 1 or Deuteronomy chapter 4, whatever, which one you like more. We're going to hop back and forth this morning between the two different texts. Deuteronomy and James are written, uh, you know, over a millennium apart from each other. But the the, the words, as you saw this morning, uh, they keep kind of weaving back and forth to each other. There's common themes in all of them. And both Moses and James... Moses, way pre-Christ, and then James, the half-brother of Jesus, seem to have these common themes that they want us to know. Don't just hear the scripture, do the scripture. If you do it, then you will be blessed. Don't forget it. Make sure it deepens inside of you. It will set you free. Pass it on to your children. And these truths that are present in Deuteronomy and present there in James that are also, of course, present throughout the entire scriptures. Today, we're wrapping up a series entitled The Bible, as relevant today as the day that it was written. And over the first three weeks of this series, I wanted to create the case that the scripture is culturally relevant now, just as it has been for all of time, that its truth supersedes the truth of culture or the the modern understanding. We don't need modern understanding. We need the truth that has been around forever. And so I tried to prove that point in week one, and then in week two and week three, I've pretty much just tried to convince you to read your Bible. And so we've hit that a few times, and today what I want to do is I want to maybe answer the question, well, well, how do I read my Bible in such a a way that it makes a difference? And answer that question. See, I don't know everything that happens in your life between Sunday and Sunday. I do know, because you're human, that there are things that you're facing. Some things hidden, some things out in the open. Some things you share with others... Some things you only share with those closest to you or or for some in the deepest parts of who you are, there are struggles or tensions or, or battles that you're fighting. Sometimes the battles play themselves out in public. Sometimes everyone else knows about them, it feels like. Sometimes they feel overwhelming. Sometimes they've been a part of your life for years or decades. And you're asking the question that all humanity would ask, how do I change? Or how does it get better? How does the situation go away? When will it happen? For some of us, we've been asking that question about the same thing for years or decades. The anger is still there. The bitterness is still present. The relationship is still torn apart. The fear still controls you. How does it change? I want to give you this morning what I think is the the process for how we experience spiritual transformation in every part of our lives, or anyone. We say it around here, everyone is invited to experience redemption and live in freedom. That we believe that the gospel can transform and redeem any life and any situation. It's why we never lose hope. It's why when you tell me, well, this is going on, or my child did that, or you couldn't believe this, or I probably can believe it. There is hope. 
And there's a process in which to see transformation. I want to give you that process this morning as we end our series. I'm going to mix my metaphors a little bit. So sorry for those of you out there who that's going to drive crazy. The word I'm going to give you this morning, and I, and I don't preach in acronyms very often. I think this is my first one in a while. And so I'm going to give you one, though, only because we go back to it all of the time around here. We actually deliver something every morning called the Daily Dig. And I'm going to give that word dig some meaning this morning. Because I think this is a tool that will help you every day of life as you grow and mature in Christ. All of the series we've done this year are connected. And so whether this is your first time here, you've been with us since the beginning, and that's okay. But the point is that all year we decided what we were going to do is see what it means to become a disciple of Christ. How do we grow in Jesus? And so back to the mixed metaphor. Uh, last year, uh, August was born. He was born in August. That's not why we named him August, but he was born in August. And I took the week off after he was born. And I was at home a lot, and I did a lot of landscaping. And I got like borderline obsessed with cutting things down with a handsaw. And so I just started cutting down anything that Lindsay would let me cut down with a handsaw. And about two weeks after this process was over, I missed it. And so there was one tree left out there, and I thought, I'm going to cut that down with a handsaw. And so I would go out every day for 10, 15 minutes, and I was just like handsawing away, trying to get those Danny Kovacs biceps and, and to look awesome. You don't know who Danny was. He was singing here earlier. I just made his year. Okay. And every day I would go out and there'd be these construction guys across. And I always thought, I wonder what they think of me over here lying on the ground, cutting this tree. And I would have to change the angle up. And, uh, and the saw is really old and, and really dull. And I'm just working away at it, working away at it, working away at it. And not like that. That'd be weird. But, I, you know, normal. And I was kind of making progress. But honestly, I just enjoyed the process of waking up every day and sawing that thing for 15 minutes or so. It was, it was something. And eventually, I was beginning to wonder, how many days is this going to take? Because it had been going on for a while. Okay, end of story. We'll pick that back up later. Let me give you the first part of our acronym this morning. Dig. By the way, if you didn't catch on, the mixed metaphor is that cutting and digging are different. Okay, but I'm connecting them. Okay. Just to clarify. Dig. Discover. Let me give you a definition. This is the D in dig. Discover. To focus the attention of your heart and mind on new information or new experience. To focus the attention of your heart and mind on new information or new experience. Some of you probably recently subscribed to Discovery Plus because you like all of the TV shows about discovering the world or figuring out what you can do in your house and how you can reno it. And uh, Lindsay is the subscriber to that in our, in our family. And it's just every show about discovering something. I watched like two episodes of one of the house reno projects the other day with Lindsay. And I was like, we could do this and we could do that. Lindsay was like, you just stay away from the house. And I was like, okay, fair enough. But there's something in our hearts and minds that love discovering. It's why we go on hikes. It's why we read books. It's why we watch movies. 
We want to open up our minds or our hearts to something new. And all of what I just described in many ways is good. I think our hearts are made for that. But the truth is, based on my definition, to focus the attention of your heart and mind on new information or new experience, all of us are diggers. Every day when you wake up and you scroll through that feed, or you read the news, or you read the newspaper, or you listen to the talk show or the podcast, or whatever it might be, or you talk with people at work about topics, what you're doing in that moment is discovering. You're opening up your mind to that person's perspective and their thought about what is right and what is true. We are naturally good discoverers. Our brains and our hearts seek content. And what happens, you know this, the more you begin to listen to the same things over and over and over, it begins to form. It's why um, for uh, some of us, like, you're, like you watch a TV show enough and you start talking or dressing like the person. Especially when you binge watch it, right? Because you're discovering something and then, and then like, like through osmosis, it like just begins to work its way through. So it's not really a question of, am I going to be a discoverer? Am I going to consume content? Am I going to allow things in my, in my mind and in my heart? It's what am I going to allow in? To discover is to focus the attention of your heart and your mind on new information or new experience. Here's how James says it. He says, but if you look carefully into the perfect law, that sets you free. He says, look carefully into this. Look carefully into it. Back in Deuteronomy, the passages that Frank read, he says, obey them completely and you will display your wisdom and intelligence among the surrounding nations. When they hear all these decrees, they will exclaim, how wise and prudent are the people of this great nation. For what great nation as a God is near to them as the Lord our God is near to us whenever we call on him? And what great nation has decrees and regulations as righteous and fair as this body of instruction that I am giving you today? And what he's saying then is, look how good we have it. God gave us something that we can read and study and look and he's near to us and he wants us to know what's in it. Later on in that text, he goes on to say, remember the experiences that you've had with God. It's always a good exercise, by the way. There might be some experiences you've had in the past with God, and it's good to just bring them back up. Oh, God, I remember when I was in that spot, and you came in. He says, Look carefully into the perfect law and, and remember the experiences. Discover what's written in here. A different translation of that text that I just read says, diligently, like every day, work at it, work at it, work at it. Discover new truths. Now, when I say new truths, I don't mean that the, the truths are like new what I mean is that they're, they're newly being discovered in your heart. And all of the truths of the scripture point back to one big truth, the gospel. See, all of scripture, all it's doing in Deuteronomy and all throughout is it's pointing us to Jesus. So another way of saying discover is this, to focus the attention of your heart and mind 
on the gospel. It gives new meaning to the idea of reading the Bible every day. It's not a checklist. It's not something I do just because I think I'm supposed to. It's I'm waking up every day and I am discovering again the truth of the gospel. I'm looking at it and I'm saying, okay, remind me, God, of how good you are. Remind me of how good Jesus is. And every time you open it, you discover again. And guess what? There's a lot to discover. Every page screaming out the gospel. Every page screaming out his love. Now, James, though, gives us a fair warning. Here's what he says. He says, if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. What James is warning of is this. If you just love the discovery phase and it never moves to the other phase, you're a fool. It's like looking at yourself in the mirror, walking away and going, I wonder what I look like. I wonder what color my hair is. He says, as obvious or as foolish as that is, when you discover the new truths of the gospel and they don't go anywhere, it's that foolish. Let me, let me cut through that in a second. It's like if you consistently even read your scriptures, if you show up to church every single week, and you hear the truth of the gospel presented over and over and over, and it doesn't actually break in and begin to do something, you're as foolish as the person who looks in the mirror and forgets what they look like. There's no reason to just discover. It's step one. Yes, we have to, we have to discover. We have to, we have to open it up. We have to get into it. And the Holy Spirit helps us with this. Helps us to understand it. But you first got to discover, you got to go into it. You got to read it. And then you got to move to phase two. In the scripture, there was a group of people who were really good discoverers, but really bad at the next two phases. We called them hypocrites because they knew all the truths and they did, right? They, they, they would show up and they would look like they were taking it in, but they weren't. Here's the next phase. By the way, let me take a step back here before I move on. What this means is every morning when you wake up, like I woke up every morning with the goal to knock down that tree, every morning when you wake up and you know because you know and I know that you know that there is something inside of you that is still grating against God. There's a way you think, there's a way you act, there's a, there's a relationship, there's a loss of trust, there's a hope, there's a whatever it might be. And every morning when you wake up, the process to change in that is to open up and go, okay, God, I need to discover the truth of the gospel again. And then what do you got to do? The next step, internalize. Here's my definition of internalize. To be committed wholeheartedly and transformed in your mind by the information and experience you received in the discovery phase. James says it this way. Don't forget what you heard. Deuteronomy says it this way. Be careful never to forget. Do not let these memories escape from your mind. 
And then here's the heart. And you must commit yourself, yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Your heart and your mind then must take this gospel truth and begin to internalize it. It must break in. Now I'll tell you, this is hard. The discovery phase, not that hard. Because the discovery phase, oftentimes all you got to do is show up on Sunday and you're in discovery mode. All you have to do is open up your Bible and give it a cursory glance. You're in discovery mode. This part, though, is the hard part. And this, my friends, is how all spiritual transformation occurs. All spiritual growth happens right here where you've discovered the truth of the gospel and now you're willing heart and mind to commit to it and to let it break in or go deeper down. When you begin to actually internalize these truths in your mind, the tension here is, is going to be this. There are going to be truths that, um, that you're going to discover in the scriptures. And then there's going to be truths of, of maybe what you thought growing up or what the world seems to say is true right now. And in that moment, you're going to have to decide, do I believe the truth of God's word or do I believe this competing truth? And to internalize it then is that I didn't just hear it, but now I'm going to allow my mind. I used to think like this, but now I'm going to think like this because of this. This used to be my perspective. Now this is my perspective. I mean, snapshot of next week when we have our Easter service. All of humanity, pre-Christ. I used to think everything was about life here on earth. Ah, now I realize it's all about eternity, right? Change what you think. At some point, you're going to think something, and Scripture's going to contradict it. And you're going to have to decide, am I going to think like it or think like me? And then maybe even harder is we're going to then have the feeling or the heart side of it. He says, you must commit to yourselves wholeheartedly. And what's going to happen here? There's a great song that we sing around here called Christ Be Magnified. And in that song, there's this line, I won't be formed by feelings. I won't be formed by feelings. And what, what the song is alluding to is the truth that I'm getting at right now, which is as you're digging and as you're coming into contact with scriptural, gospel, biblical truth, it's going to come in and it's going to begin to grate at something and you're going to go, I don't feel like I want to do that. Or that doesn't feel right. Or it would feel better if I didn't. It would be easier if I just did what I felt like I wanted to. And this is where digging is really hard because you're going to have to decide, am I going to do what 
and commit wholeheartedly to what he's saying, or am I going to operate out of what I feel? What I feel. This I process, I think, is the hardest part. The hardest part. Because that's the part where we are then wrestling. This is the part that often takes repentance. It's the part that um, where we're confronted with either the idol of our heart or the, or the sin that seems to control us. It's in this I phase then, because in the I phase, in the internalization phase, we're not just digging gospel truth down. That's not how spiritual transformation works. We also have to uproot something. And the uprooting is the hard part. The uprooting is the part where, where we go, oh man, I didn't know how much I loved this thing. I didn't know how much my identity was built on this thing. You ever play Jenga? You can pull out a lot of pieces and what happens? It doesn't fall down. You pull out the one piece, what happens? Sometimes we think, oh, no, I'm doing great spiritually. Like, this little thing happened to me, and I was okay. This little thing happened to me, and I was okay. This little thing happened to me, and I was okay. It got pulled out. I was fine. It got pulled out. I was fine. And we think, I must be really built on Christ. But then all of a sudden, Satan goes, and in a moment, you go, oh. So that's what I loved most. So that's what really had me. Oh, it's hard to. And this process of, of discovering and internalizing is to get down and to root out, because here's what we do. If you're following the metaphor, what, we get to this place in our heart where we're digging, and what we do is we put a shell over it eventually. We put a shell over certain parts of our life. And we say, God, you can dig as much as you want over here, but don't touch this part. And you could, I could walk through them. Don't tell me how to date. Don't tell me how to treat people. Don't tell me how to speak, God. No, you can have everything else, but you can't have this. And we build a shell around it. And this process here is how we begin to work that thing out. Um, let me just make this really clear. You aren't on a path of discipleship if this process isn't happening somewhere in your life. I know that because you're not Jesus. And so you're not perfect. And so there's something he wants to dig up. And the process of spiritual growth, this is it. And it just keeps happening. Now, let's get to the third phase. Because then I want to get to the, well, this is good too, but the fun part. Third, the G is go. 
The definition is simple. Doing more and more exactly as the scripture instructs. James says it this way. Do what it says. Deuteronomy says it this way. Obey these things completely. This is when you've discovered the gospel truth. You've internalized the gospel truth, committed to it with your, with your mind and your heart. And now you're just going to go, go live the gospel truth. You're just going to go live it. You're going to do whatever it is that God came right here and did differently on the other side. You're actually going to seek the forgiveness. You're actually going to change the way you treat your spouse. You're actually going to parent differently. You're actually going to date differently. You're actually going to whatever. And you're actually going to go and do it because you discovered the gospel. You internalized it. And by the way, the way this happens often is by the time you get to the actual doing, you've already done all the hard work here. This part's actually not that hard. There's two cheat codes to this, by the way. When you're playing video games, you got the cheat code, you got to jump to the end. There's two cheat codes. They're not good cheat codes. The first cheat code is when you try to eliminate the I phase. And what you do is you discover some gospel truth and you say, okay, I'm just going to go do it. And then you go do it. But if you skip the hard work of the I phase, what happens is that your doing eventually wears out because you're not strong enough to do it on your own without actual heart transformation and you find yourself having to start all the way back over. There's another way that we um, do this often and that is, and I... mm, Okay, here's the other one. Christians, get this, Christians, people who believe the Bible, that's what Christians are, right? People who believe the Bible, they try to skip both the D and the I part, and they go and look at the world's wisdom to teach them how to do this. And this is foolishness. This is when, 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 when I talk to married couples who are on the brink of divorce and, and they've told me everything they've tried and they haven't yet actually allowed the gospel to break in. Or, well, you know, people can't change from fill in the blank, right? Like if they've been that way, they're always going to be that way. And, and they went to therapy and they went to this and they went to that. Great. Have they tried God's solution yet? Because that can change anything. So we don't skip any of these phases. And I'm not saying it's easy. Paul calls it crucifixion. Crucify it. Kill it. Why? Because what you feel and what you think is sometimes way easier to just keep living that. And Paul says, you got to crucify it. You got to crucify it. Listen, coming to Christ and being a disciple is saying this, that the moment I step in, I am willing to walk through this process no matter what it might cost me. No matter what. 
And to be a disciple then is to say that the moment I chose to follow Christ as my teacher, whatever he might strip away along the way, I'm in because I want him. Three questions then that help us at the end. And this is a recap. Number one, I'm going to ask them a little bit differently than I wrote them. Are you willing to discover more of God's truth today? Are you willing to open yourself up to it? I always just assume that when you show up on Sunday, that why you are here is because you want me to help you walk through this process. If you don't, I don't know why you're here. Because this is my only job. It's to help you walk through this process. Number two, are you committed to the truth with your whole heart and mind? I'm asking you these questions because oftentimes what we do is we get caught up. Sometimes we don't want to discover the truth. So I'm asking you, like, are you willing to just, are you just, are you willing to listen to what God has to say about this thing? Okay, secondly, now that you've listened to some of us, we get stuck here between the D and the I phase. Now are you willing to, to commit to it? And then some get stuck in the third phase. Now are you willing to go actually do it? To go actually do it? Now, let me give you some hope here at the end. Some good news at the end. Because after all, the gospel is good news. It's good news. See, what happens is that there's soil, I'm back to the soil digging metaphor, the soil gets hard. And I don't know if you've ever tried to dig up really hard soil, clay, like it's, it's not easy. You're sweating, you're working, and all you want is that you wish, like I wish this ground was softer. And sometimes our heart gets really, really hard. And what do we need? We need it softened. We need the hard heart softened. We need the hard ground softened. You do. Why? Because you've been bitter for decades. Because you haven't been able to surrender this part of your life to Christ for years. And your heart has grown hard around it, and you need it softened. And in the Deuteronomy text, Moses tells us, let me tell you how it gets softened. He goes, you have to remember that experience that you guys had. Remember that experience. Don't forget that experience. What was the experience he was talking about? He was talking about when Moses came down from the mountain after God had met him, and the gospel, in essence, is delivered, and the presence of God surrounds them. And what he's saying is the gospel is the softener. The gospel is the thing that will finally break in and soften what is so hard. Let me finish my tree story. So every day I'm waking up and I'm going out and I'm sawing this thing and I'm sawing this thing and I'm sawing this thing. And I'm going at every single angle, like I'm spending 15 minutes here one day, 15 minutes here, 15 minutes here, 15 minutes here, right? I'm sawing away, I'm sawing away, wondering, when is this going to happen? When is this going to happen? When is this going to happen? And then one day, I wake up, and I look out the front door, and the tree is gone. And I was like, Lindsay, who did you call? She's like, wasn't me. 
So then I texted like three of my friends. I'm like, did you cut down my tree? Did you cut down my tree? Did you cut down my tree? I was like, I wanted the satisfaction of like pushing that thing over. And then it hit me. You're going to dig, and you're going to dig, and you're going to dig. And you're going to think, I'm never going to change. I'm never going to change. I'm always going to be this bitter. I'm always going to be this angry. I'm always going to hate those people. Our marriage is always going to be a wreck. I'm never going to know what to do. I'm always going to struggle with fear. And if you dig and you dig and you dig and you dig, one day you're going to wake up and it's going to be gone. This is how spiritual growth happens. It's like all of a sudden we arrive at this place and we go, I don't know how I got here. But then a greater power came in and took care of it. Because if I've learned anything about spiritual growth, it's that our job is to dig and dig and dig. But eventually God shows up and he does what only he can do. So it's your and I's role in this, to keep on digging. Keep on digging. So your heart's hard toward God. Maybe you got hurt by church. Maybe you had some Christians who were really mean or bad to you. Maybe you've looked at faith for a while and it's never meant what you thought it's supposed to mean. Can I tell you and promise you, keep on digging and one day you're going to wake up and you're going to go, I get it now. I get it now. Maybe you've been bitter for years, decades, you still want to punch him or her in the face. If you dig and you dig and you dig, something God will knock it over. In the Deuteronomy passage, it talks about how we pass these things on to our children, these truths. In this process. Sometimes we get confused in that. It's like, okay, so if I'm righteous, then they'll definitely be righteous. Or if I'm bad, then God's going to curse them. Or what does all of this mean? And what God is doing is he's just setting up a principle that if you and I will do the hard work of digging things up in our lives, it is going to naturally change the way we interact with everyone around us, including our children, and that natural change is then going to affect them. And we're going to show them a pattern, not of perfection, but of continuous digging. Because if there's one thing I want to teach my children, it's you're not going to be perfect, and neither is mom, and neither is dad. But if you keep on digging, I'll keep on changing you. And I bet for some of us in here, we won't even reflect on the past. Let's just look to the future. That if there are some things that you would be willing to dig up now. Five years down the road, 10 years down the road, you're going to look and see how it changed your marriage. 
how it changed your kids, how it changed your grandkids, how it changed all your relationships because you were willing to do the hard work of digging it up. And I think when you get there, you're going to look back and go, it was hard. Oh, but it was worth it. See, at the end of all of these texts, you know how God ends it? He says, and then you will be blessed, and then you will be blessed, and then you will be blessed. He says it three times because he's saying, if you're willing to do the hard work, if you're willing to dig in and internalize this gospel, then on the other end of it, God's like, and I'm going to bless that, and I'm going to bless that. And and what he's saying is, I'm going to bring joy to that, and I'm going to bring peace to that, and I'm going to bring happiness to that, and I'm going to bring new understanding to that, and I'm going to settle things in your mind over that, and I'm going to work through you in a new way, and you're going to get back, and you're going to look back, and you're going to go, I don't know how I got here, but man, I'm different. And you got to keep digging. That's the process. All of life, it never ends. Let's pray. God, there are things in our lives that we just, we almost think they can't be dug up. Oh, and in those moments, we are selling your gospel so short. We are forgetting Paul's words, that we are not ashamed of the gospel, for it, 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 it is the power of God to change. And so I pray hope into every situation right now that's, that seems hopeless. That if, I, if we are faithful to dig, Lord, You are faithful to change. And Lord, I would imagine in a room this size that there are couples, both of whom might be sitting in here, who have stopped the hard work of digging. Instead, they've just dug in. Lord, would you open up both hearts today to start digging properly and to be changed? I pray for a marriage in a year from now that looks so blessed. Father, I pray that you would help every parent in here to dig into the truth of the gospel and how we should raise our kids. I pray for every estranged relationship for every place where bitterness or forgiveness has settled in, that as we keep digging, you would start moving. Move us to a place in a month for three months where the one we wanted to hit, we now want to hug. The one we couldn't stand, now we can speak blessing over. It can only happen if we keep digging, Lord. So give us the strength to do that as well. Father, may these truths that we've discovered today in your word be internalized and may we go forward differently. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you'd like to take a next step with Redemption Church, visit us online at experienceredemption.com slash connect card. You can also give online to support the work of Redemption Church. To explore your giving options, visit experienceredemption.com slash give online. 
We hope that the message you heard today encouraged you. See you again soon.